Hello and welcome to Discord, a podcast to explore the intersection between music and theatre. I'm Adam Lenson and week by week I will be trying to figure out the conundrum that is musical theatre. Welcome to episode 7. Discord. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the show Miss Revolutionary Idol Berserker. The show was developed in Japan by theatre maker Toko Nikaido and was seen in London at the Barbican Theatre as part of this year's Lyft Festival. It is nothing like any piece of theatre I have ever seen before. However, it takes many elements recognisable from the past of theatre, combines them with the present-day culture and aesthetic of Japan, and in so doing, I believe, contains information as to what the future of theatre could be like. I'm not saying all theatre should be like Miss Revolutionary Idol Berserker, but I believe it has many things to teach us about how to reinvent the form while not ignoring the past. It made me feel things I haven't felt in a theatre for a long time, and maybe re-engage with the reasons we go to the theatre. We go to share an experience, to be in the moment, and above all, to feel something. In today's episode, I'm going to unpack what the show might have to teach us about the future of theatre and the way in which theatre and music can be combined in new and inventive ways. To help me, I'm joined by a number of people who saw the show, and as well as that, I also got to chat exclusively with Toko, the show's creator. But before we get to that, I'm going to try and describe my experience of watching the show. The show begins before we enter the theatre as we arrive in the foyer. We are told we have to check in our coats and bags, and are given rain ponchos and earplugs. We are told it will be very loud in there and that we will have things thrown at us, including water and food. At this point, I can already see that sensory overload is a key part of the experience. Once we've struggled into our ponchos, we enter the pit theatre space. It is set up like an end-on black box theatre, but all of the seating bank is covered in plastic bags and there is plastic sheeting covering all of the floor. The stage is bare, but for five microphones, and is surrounded by walls of video screens displaying messages welcoming us to the show and encouraging us to photograph or record anything we want. A compare Kyle is welcoming us and explaining how the show will work. He says that we have to wear earplugs because the show will be extremely loud, that we have to wear ponchos because we will have seaweed and tofu thrown at us, that there will be water thrown at us. Please be careful with your iPhones and stuff because of the 50 bucks of water, seaweed, tofu and much more he says that there is a cast of 25 who will go into the audience and come along our rows. 'll He says that the cast will sometimes be on stage performing elaborately choreographed dance routines and sometimes they will be in the auditorium all around us, talking to us and engaging with us that there are over 2,000 props that will be brought into the space by the cast and we may be given them to look after or to hold or to engage with. Because we have so much stuff, there is no way we're going to be able to fit all that stuff on stage. There is just absolutely no fucking way. So, we are actually going to have to ask some of the members of the audience to hold on to our stuff during the show. He says that the cast don't speak English, but that they're friendly. He also teaches us the Japanese pronunciation for the word encore. 
he says we'll need that later, as if pre-warning us that there will definitely be an encore. He warms us up, asking us to cheer to welcome the show's creator. She enters wearing a crown, and in sentences seemingly unbroken by breath or punctuation, she welcomes us to the show. She explains she will watch the show with us, and then barks out orders to welcome the cast. cast enter noisily with whistles and horns. They place some props on stage and some of them walk amongst the audience, waving, smiling, saying hello, shaking people's hands. They give some audience members props to hold. Once everything is ready, a countdown begins. Immediately there is light, sound, confetti, video, choreography, music, rhythm, volume. The main piece is a relentless series of medleys, dances and set pieces. It is like the most intense parts of every musical, rock concert, pop video or video game, all at the same time. It feels chaotic but also strongly and rigorously structured. There is neatly time-coded video and lighting, confetti drops and regimented sections where water and food are thrown at the audience from all angles. Nothing appears to be left to chance, but it is a dazzling assault on the senses. There is too much to look at. It seems as if many, many things are happening all at once. There are moments of uniformity and moments of dissonance and individuality. The width of the performance space makes it impossible to take everything in. If you look at the video screen flashing up animation or lyrics, then you miss the choreography. If you look at someone right next to you wanting to give you a high five, then you miss the person behind you preparing to throw a bucket of water in your face. The piece contains many, many influences. I wasn't able to identify them all, but ones I noticed included Japanese pop music, traditional music, anime, theme tune music, Shakespearean quotations, historical motifs and movement, modern dance, poetry, video game music and imagery, and musical theater. In fact, I nearly fell off my seat when five minutes in, there was this section of Do You Hear The People Sing from Les Miserables. Then later on, there was an entire verse of Bidoy from Miss Saigon. A medley of extracts from Disney's Aladdin. along with Japanese pop. And hip hop. Yeah. 
Essentially, it seemed that anything that interested the show's creator was able to make it into the piece. Fragments from past and present, high and low culture smashed together without bias. A snapshot of modern Japan, its youth culture and its emotional influences, its pulse and its heartbeat, put in a blender and set on fire. The piece is divided up into various movements or sections, with each using different styles of music and various visual languages. Handheld lights are used in one section, in another a tarpaulin is placed over the audience to give a tent-like ceiling to proceedings. A further section sees the cast move around the space talking loudly on mobile phones, as if mirroring the sensory overload of modern culture and our over-reliance and connection to the digital world. Costumes mix old and new, historical remnants of Japan are mixed with contemporary idols, characters and motifs. At one point, Hamlet's monologue is spoken out and projected on a screen, telling us of sound and fury signifying nothing. In addition, slogans are seen periodically on the screen, such as normal theatre stinks and we are all alive. The idea of being alive in the here and now seems intrinsic to the show. It is very much 2016 and we are here together. We are living in the contemporary moment, a cluster and a patchwork of influences in past and present fused together. Throughout, despite the noise and insanity that is going on around us, the audience remains seated. There are the hallmarks of traditional theatre, the separation of audience and stage, the existence indeed of a stage, but the show is constantly confounding and blurring those boundaries. As I watch, I am struck by how much I am feeling. It is like the most intense moments of the theatrical experiences I long to have, all in one show. It is that moment when the key changes and the lights change, the moment when the confetti cannons go off, the moment where someone has a realization or an epiphany. Except all of those moments are happening all at once. And moreover, it doesn't bother me because it's like someone has distilled the emotional content of theater, the reason for its emotional and ephemeral quality, and found a way to display that and let an audience feel that. As the piece concludes, after only 45 minutes, the cast come on with signs asking you to shout encore. There isn't a choice. They aren't going anywhere. Once again, they are making you aware of the conventional theatrical contract and they are subverting it. You are complicit, but you're also grateful to be part of it. Frankly, you want more. The encore begins, but as it carries on, more signs tell you to leave your seats and file down onto the stage. You are the star of the show, some of these signs say. We all dance, shout and jump, until finally we realise that everyone who was once sitting in the audience seats is now on the stage. As they look out to the seats, we notice the cast are where we were. The final reversal has taken place. So Miss Revolutionary Idol Berserker is past and present, music and theatre, high and low culture, all smashed together. You can hear the music, see the words on a video screen, smell the tofu and feel the water as it splashes up against your poncho. Every sense is engaged. But what on earth does this have to do with musical theatre or music and theatre? 
The reason I wanted to talk about this show is because it seems to contain a checklist of almost everything that musical theatre should aspire to. It is rigorously crafted, but also messy and chaotic. It is reverent to past influences, but includes them alongside modern ideas and culture without bias. It speaks from the heart. It crosses every theatrical boundary. Music, theatre, performance art, dance, performance poetry, restaurant culture, museum culture, art installation and video games are all part of this. It is entirely ephemeral. It couldn't be presented in any other way at any other time. It respects traditional theatrical processes and audience-performer relationships, but it also subverts them. It is visually stirring, beautiful and spectacular, and it summons emotions more strongly than almost anything I have seen on stage recently. The piece knows that we have been desensitized. It knows we are overstimulated and have too much noise in our lives. It outbids this. It stacks every type of noise and effect on top of one another and forces you to feel something. I'm not saying all theater should be like this, but I'm saying we can think about all these things when making theater. Miss Revolutionary Idol Berserker is not a piece you want one audience perspective of. So I tracked down some others who had seen it. Hannah Barnett-Leverson works in theatre PR, Tom Hoskin is a musician and teacher, Carl Miller is a playwright, and Daisy Chute is a singer-songwriter. I started by asking them how they felt while they were watching the show or immediately after. Joyful, elated, shocked, stunned. Um, I couldn't speak or articulate my feelings. It's a very visceral show. It throws, literally throws stuff at you. Assault to my senses, every sense was activated in some way or another. How did I get here and, and why am I seeing this and, and what is, what did I actually just see? What, what has happened? What kept coming back was this sense of overload, this confusion of influences, moments and feelings. There was so much to see and experience that everyone had a different sense of what had happened to them. Um, we had this uh, encounter in the lift, so going up from the pit up to the ground level of the Barbican, where everybody was kind of exchanging nervous glances and didn't really know what to say with each, to each other. And then uh, somebody announced that he was convinced he'd been hit in the face uh, by a fish, uh, which I'm pretty sure didn't actually happen, but I think sort of true to the spirit of the event, uh, you know, you can imagine things like that happening because it was pretty overwhelming and surreal experience that, you know, I can see how he imagined that he was hit in the face with a fish. I think that that sense of being in a 360-degree experience, some of it's happening behind you, all your senses are being assaulted playfully. Like being stuck in the middle of a hamster wheel, everything is sort of happening around you and, and to you and in front of you and behind you. You're being assaulted from the front, the director's behind you, you've got the actors coming up to the sides, you've got people walking along the aisles and stuff, you are being invaded from all angles. Um, I didn't know where to look um, because there was so much going on. I was feeling both um, a sense of FOMO, fear of missing out, and also feeling like I was part of something huge and something really new and exclusive. What's interesting about the show is even though it's completely anarchic, something that the creator has said is that it's important to her that it takes place in a theatre, in a location where plays are normally created, because she wants there to be a stage and an audience. She wants there to be a separation between where the performance is and where the audience are, and then wants to dissolve that separation using the show. Whereas if it was in a venue with no traditional elements of a theatre, it would make that dissolving aspect much more difficult. 
She says in an interview with the Japan Performing Arts Network that when the separation is dissolved to a minimum, that there can be tremendous potential for emotional cleansing or catharsis. But it's about having something to dissolve. I asked if the multiple different layers of the show were potentially interacting and affecting you in a way that you weren't necessarily conscious of. There was so much happening that you weren't interpreting as, as, it, as it was going on, really. You were just experiencing it in the moment, and then it took a long time afterwards to try and work out what went on, and I'm, I'm still not entirely sure, and I I'm not entirely sure you're supposed to have uh, deduced exactly what it was all about. It's not in any way uh, kind of uh, something that you intellectually process while you're in it. And I'm not even sure that you emotionally process it. It's a, it's a kind of pure experience, um, which I suppose is much more like, I don't know, doing something physical. So, you know, I don't know, dancing or running. I think one of the reasons I like musical theatre is because I really enjoy the idea of having an emotional catharsis, of having all of the elements of that piece of theatre working together in order to make me feel something. And I like the idea of a pure experience, of something that feels almost physical, something that we can't necessarily process all of its layers at the same time. In the same interview, Toko Nakaido says that she is trying to create an explosion of culture that is Japan. If I don't do that, then I feel we can't depict our real selves living in Tokyo in 2015. Our lives are being filled with a growing number of television stations, newspapers, magazines, millions of websites, smartphones, Twitter, and lots more. So there's no way we can see or absorb all of this huge confusion of information around us. I recreate this world by presenting a chaotic space with too much going on for the audience to absorb. Yeah, it just feels like very much of this generation, this idea that we're all part of the performance, you know, it's the punch drunk, me too generation, everyone's sharing, sharing videos and memes and viral things that kind of suggest that we're all part of this, this mob that, um, that create and also sh and disseminate our own information. And this felt like a theatrical version of that, that we were part of this mob and that was part of the whole experience for, for the performer as well as the audience. It was this interaction between audience and performer. It's sort of like viral marketing. This is what you are um, accosted with every day. All these images and slogans and, and things being sold to you. And you don't have to choose. You can have it all at once. Toko says... I think this is also a reflection of the consume and throwaway orientation of the society we live in. There is just too much information out there, so it feels like it is just blowing past us. Knowing that no matter how many interesting things there are going on in the world, we can't connect with it all, leaves us with feelings of regret and emptiness. But, on the other hand, there is an emerging trend amongst those of us who give up on the idea of trying to understand it all and just say, it's okay. It is this big knot of contemporary life that I want to try to express. Exhausting. It's possibly one of the most exhausting 40 minutes I've ever spent in a theatre and it, it almost put, it always deliberately pushes you to that point of complete overload but at the same time offers you enough that exhausting you is a joy. I asked my interviewees if the show is music or theatre or both or neither. I think it was it was an experiment in how far we can push this genre and, and people's expectations. Um, I, I mean, I experienced it more as like a musical event. You could feel the energy in the room, not just from the performers, but from the audience. Everybody was just having a whale of a time. It was like, almost like 
being at a club or you know, at a party. Um. You know, it was located in a theatre and it, the audience was largely seated as opposed to sort of standing up at a gig. Um, but, you know, even those, those boundaries, those barriers got broken down. It's certainly theatre um, and it's... I suppose it's got all the ingredients of a musical um, just kind of put in a blender. It can push our expectations um, and, until they... They break, I suppose, until until we no longer have expectations of musical musical theatre. You, you suddenly go to Les Mis, but not to not to the plot or the characters or the style. It's just something about what the experience of those mega shows is and the way that they kind of throw themselves at you. And I think maybe that's part of the joy of them. Now I feel like I could have a different definition of what theatre is or what musicals are or what um, music can do to a person, to an audience, as a crowd. It's a very English audience, um, actually quite sort of restrained audience and I even saw some people who didn't look like they were enjoying themselves because it was, you know, they were too English and it was too much. In the same interview, Toko also says... That is why I want to connect to a wide variety of things without discrimination or rules about what I choose. I of course go to see straight theatre performances, but I also go to musicals. I watch video clips on the Nico Nico website and others. I go to museums, look at photograph collections, art and visually oriented live music performances. Since I also like things that are solid or dark in nature, I see all kind of things, old and new, east and west, regardless of era, be it science or the occult, anything that I think might be able to use in our performance, and I take notes about what I see every day. I mean, the thing that was so striking about this was that it was this seemingly chaotic piece, but it was so beautifully, per perfectly choreographed. Everything was so um, precise. It was, this was very uh, regimented and choreographed and meticulously planned and stuff. I don't think there was all that much... I don't know how much spontaneity there was. I think it was spontaneous for the audience. I found it very interesting that the piece, rather than building up to its extremes just went straight in at the highest possible intensity and volume and that it actually didn't have a build-up, really. It had a pre-state where your expectations were managed, but from the moment the countdown finished, it went straight to 10 on the extreme scale. Actually, there's um, a quite famous Japanese experimental musician called Keiji Haino, who is like a sonic artist and he plays guitar and stuff. And I remember reading, I think it was in The Wire, where he was saying that when he was a kid, he used to like listening to things like The Who and Led Zeppelin, but the bits that he'd like would be the last notes of the song where like everyone would go absolutely nuts. It's not a sort of symphonic structure where you have to build up all this tension to have this release and stuff, I think. It is closer to this kind of postmodern uh, experimental maybe Japanese, I don't know if it's a Japanese idea where you, you can I don't know, you can just have release, you don't have to have the tension building up before it, the tension building up before it is when you have English people sat in ponchos in the theatre and they don't have a clue what's about to happen. So the one thing about the piece that I I felt a little uneasy about was was the lack of narrative I wish that I had a story as part of this piece that I could that I could have some relation to a character that I that I could follow and feel something for. I wanted to feel like I was watching something that I that I've been through, something relatable. Um, and as much as I felt so many amazing things, and I and it was incredible 
experience for all my senses. I wanted to have something, something firmer to grasp onto. I think what it, what it does is it kind of reveals what the power of that substructure can be. And I think that exists even in a narrative show. So even in a show which is driven by a narrative, I think you're always making those choices about how the energy flow works. And that exists despite the story, or maybe helps to tell the story. Eventually the surprise would no longer be so surprising. People would begin to grow to expect that and would, would be looking for something more, something something they could remember afterwards beyond the the multi-sensory experience, something of a story. The piece only intends to be 45 minutes long and it intends to be an overload and an assault. What Carl says is interesting. The piece shows us the substructure of what theatre uses in order to make you feel something and in order to make an audience feel engaged and surprised. But what Daisy is saying is that any longer than 40 minutes and we need a story... We need things to care about. We need characters like ourselves to recognise and to grab onto. But I think acknowledging the substructure of Miss Revolutionary Idol Berserker and the clever way which it deploys overwhelming use of many layers, if that were to be connected to narrative, then there would be a new form of musical theatre that would engage with modern sensibilities of overload and modern mechanisms of engagement, catharsis and theatricality. Maybe there's something about the sheer physical experience of overload which a musical can give you maybe in a more controlled way than um, Miss Revolutionary does because that that kind of turns all the notches up but I think she's onto something about what the what the power of great music theatre is and whether that's you know what's in a Wagner you see I think there's there's something kind of Wagnerian about what she's doing it's just like I'm gonna throw everything together and go beyond the rational go beyond the feeling um, to something else I think musical theatre is very much about going beyond the rational it's about engaging the non-rational parts of the brain the experiential parts those responsible for memory and emotion and physical sensation this show does that It shows us the substructure of why a lot of theatre makes us feel things and engages us, even irrespective of a story. It shows that if a story is combined with fragments of this overload, with this lack of bias, this multidisciplinary awareness, this dissolving of boundaries, then think of what might be possible. When people ask me what was it about, I, I can't really say what it was about, I can just say how it was. And... So that is that for me is the next step for Toku and and her project. I think it's, you know, she's she's got people sitting up, paying attention, and, like, the question is now, what will she do? I think that where she can go with this is to take it into a longer form, a narrative structure, and see how this new way of making theatre can fit into a narrative. But it isn't just something Toko can do. It's something all of us can do. We can all make theatre that aims to be this engaging this much of an overload and this much of an experience. And we can look to try and combine those things with storytelling. In the final part of this episode, I'm going to play you extracts of a short interview with the director and creator of Miss Revolutionary Idol Berserker, Toko Nikaido. 
Hello, nice to meet you. I'm Adam. Nice to meet you. Hey. It was the final night of the show's London run, so we didn't get to spend long with Toko and her translators. However, like the show, Toko manages to fit a lot of meaning into a very short space of time. I told Toko that the show felt like the most exhilarating parts of a musical theatre performance all at once. That I felt it used tools from musical theatre, such as music, movement, visuals, sound and production, to evoke those feelings I normally feel in a big West End show or in a big concert all at once, but in a more concentrated form than normal. So I started by asking her if she likes musicals. When she says back, 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 Toko means a long time ago, but she's only 29, which gives you some sense of how she sees time. I love the fact that Toko started as a musical theatre actress and that actually was once in Anne of Green Gables because it shows how important musical theatre is to her as part of this equation. And to me, it seems that she's really tapped into a lot of the feelings that musicals give us, but managed to kind of turbocharge them. I think part of this is because, as she has confessed in other interviews, she gets bored easily and just keeps wanting to change the game. But at the core, there is something essential about why we go to the theatre and why she makes theatre. I asked her how long they rehearsed this 45-minute piece for, and Amanda, her translator, told me. To make this, we rehearsed about, uh, you would say, like two to three months total. So the first two, the first two months are us doing the like otage dances, which are those sort of dances with the glow sticks. And then, um, then we sort of get into the nitty-gritty of each little piece, which is about a month. It takes a month. So she um, basically breaks everyone up into different groups for every section and then assigns a leader to each group who she can sort of like feed her notes to each group and tell them what sort of what she wants them to do or what, what sort of vision she has for the piece. So she's, she's unbelievable, like <laughs> on top of everything. And uh, nobody can read her like this is... The fact that this short show is rehearsed for three months illustrates how dense it is how full of narrative fragments, character, influences, culture and history. Like a lot of postmodern work, it seems like it is transmitting on so many frequencies and thus sends so many different coded messages and that that requires intense, regular, lengthy rehearsals to get everything that should be there into the piece, even though an audience will never be able to see it all. Every night she goes back to the hotel and she, she writes out individual comments for each of the actors, knocks on their hotel door and says, get out here, you need to fix this, Why, you need to rehearse this starting tomorrow, wake up, wake up, wake up. And then we rehearse like two or three hours, four hours before we do the show again. And then in between shows, she also will, will give us our, our director's notes and, and have us rehearse even backstage like two minutes before we go on. So. I ask why with all these various influences, including pop music, anime and video games, that this experience takes place inside a theater. あ、well, since I used to do theater and I was sort of um, wanted to become an actress, I, I and I sort of uh, was kind of grew up in the small theater scene and sort of and, and, and sort of was involved in theater my whole uh, life. That I that it just sort of that I just this is where it fits for me. And theater is undoubtedly where it fits. Theater is created for shared experiences, 
live experiences, ephemeral experiences and emotional experiences. Toko, by having come first to theatre, by having grown up in theatre, has that as a starting point. And then she has forced everything that interests and excites her into that container until that container's walls begin to buckle and hopefully break. Toko's translator explains that there's no one making work like her in Japan. I don't think there's anyone making work like her anywhere. The only reason I work on this show is because I've not seen anything as nearly as interesting or as fascinating or as mind-blowingly amazing as her show in Japan. In fact, I would say contemporary theater right now in Japan is really quiet and very like subdued. So it's she's going not only is she going the opposite direction, she's going like above and beyond what anyone else is doing right now in, in Japan. I noticed that throughout the show that ideas of the ephemeral keep popping up. Slogans like "We are all alive." The idea of being here and now and together in this moment. I asked Toko what the idea of being in the here and now means to her. いや、でもそうかもしれないですね。Yes, I, I agree with you. That's definitely one of the reasons that I like to get, uh, create theater is, is to sort of to, to, to touch on those, those sort of topics of being in the now. But I also get really sick and bored of things very quickly, so I, I'm always in a desire to change and create something more and to actually define, to create emotions on stage that actually don't have names for them yet, like to, to create experiences that, that don't have a name to them yet. And I think, you know, even in Japan, whatever happens, whether it's an earthquake, tsunami, um, you know, radioactive plants blowing up and all those things, I think that this show is sort of a, a memento or a sort of way of showing that we are alive. This is the youth of Japan in 2016 and, we, and this, this is where we live and this is where we are now. What rings out to me about this answer is the idea of creating emotions and experiences that we don't even have names for yet. That is what I want theatre to be. It is the reason I like multidisciplinary theatre and it is the reason I like musical theatre. Why wouldn't you use every tool at your disposal in the service of creating emotions and experiences in an audience that they've never felt before, that they don't even know how to describe? That is what makes it worth buying a ticket to the theatre. And with that, our time is up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very nice. Very nice to meet you. Bye. Yeah, see you next year. We'll be there. So Toko says that normal theatre stinks. But I don't think that musical theatre is normal theatre. It's non-naturalistic, it bends space and time, it shows us people's inner thoughts and uses its tools to make us feel things that we can't feel in any other part of our lives. By unveiling the substructure of what makes theatre special, Toko and Miss Revolutionary Idol Berserker has shown that by throwing many influences into the pot, by overloading an audience, by turning up the volume and showering us in confetti, water, tofu and seaweed, by making our seats vibrate with bass, by flashing the lights and letting words and music assault us, she has shown both why musical theatre can be great and also where it can go next. The show unlocks a purity of emotion and experience. It is something that we can feel in our bones, something physical and emotional, something primal and immediate. It makes us remember experiences we haven't lived. It makes us feel feelings that we don't have names for. As I said earlier, this show can act like a checklist of how to make sure that musicals and theatre are as innovative and immediate as possible. 
We must ensure that they speak from the heart, mix high and low culture, take old knowledge and craft and mix it with new ideas and a fearless ability to cross boundaries between every type of discipline. We should know how to use structure and rigor to make things messy and unexpected for an audience. We have to live in the here and now, but to make sure that the here and now is as interesting as possible. In a 2016 interview, Toko says, this show is marked by an unbelievable passion held together by the strict rule that we absolutely must not bore the audience. You know that feeling that you get that happens only in the theater? That excitement, that fear, that catharsis, that ephemeral feeling of being exactly where you should be at exactly the right moment? That plot twist, that epiphany, that key change, that lighting shift, that confetti drop, that synchronized dance, that move, that harmony, that line. Miss Revolutionary Idol Berserker finds moments that feel like that every five to 10 seconds. It uses music and theater and tremendous skill and tremendous intelligence. It uses the past and the present. And in so doing, I think it might contain blueprints of what the future of musical theater might look like. Discord is hosted and produced by me, Adam Lenson. Editorial supervision is by Emma Clauber. Special thanks to Toko Nikaido and her translators and fellow cast members, Kyle Hogue and Amanda Waddell. Special thanks also to my guests, Hannah Barnett-Leverson, Tom Hoskin, Carl Miller and Daisy Chute. Editorial assistance is from Michael Conley, Jonathan Lenson, Sarah Middleton and Oliver Soans. Our theme music is by Luke Bateman.